the rappers claim to not give a fuck. Well, step aside, bitches, because I give the lowest amount of fuck humanly possible. What? going on guys welcome back to the lions blog podcast this is your host gavin here today with the crew to discuss a 4-1 loss on the road in montreal another pretty poor performance this time on the road our first road loss of the season before we get started please go and check out uh, orlando city fan tv's podcast we did an instant reaction at the tin at tin roof which is a bar in icon park uh they set up a stage for us and we sat up and did a 30 to 40 minute episode just discussing our thoughts on the match. Really interesting discussion. So after you listen to this discussion, highly recommend heading over there. Thank you to the guys over at OC Fan TV for inviting me out. Uh, it was a great time. So let's go ahead and get into it. First and foremost, would like to welcome Adam and Chase here tonight onto the pod. So Chase, uh, I know we've got some technical difficulties with you and some... Uh, viral difficulties with you as well um so how are you feeling and how have you been yes i've been struck down it could only uh i can only stay away for so long but i mean i'm I'm feeling fine honestly i think that i'm past like my doctor said i'm past being uh contagious so neither of you have anything to worry about right now you know (laughs) Uh, but yeah it's it's fine i'm completely fine but i had to stay at home because that's when I found out I was sick, so I don't have any of my recording equipment, which just entails a headphone with a microphone in it. So I'm just like, uh, just raw dogging it with my phone right now. That is quite all right. We might get sick through the uh, the five G waves, you know, yeah, with the five G towers. That could that could possibly be an issue for us. So, um, days. I've been raw dogging it into this rock band mic the whole time. So, <laughs> yeah, the audio is always my thing. Adam, how are you doing tonight, my friend? All right, you know, um, 
I guess as okay as we can be doing right now, given the circumstances that we're uh, mourning our our hopes for the season a little bit. Yeah. Uh, don't want to get too down after bad result. Don't want to get too up after a good result. Um, but that seems to be what's going on with Orlando City at the moment. Let's go ahead and get started. And the first thing I want to start with is the plan and really the the double pivot we saw. We saw Mendez and Araujo. And usually this season we've seen a, a, a three in midfield, but with the, the one six and the two eights. This was a much more, in my opinion... Um, and Chase, this is going to you. Uh, this was a much more traditional 4-2-3-1 uh, with Mendez and Araujo being the two sixes, Pereira being the, the standard 10 with the, the two wingers and our striker dropping in kind of in like a false nine. Obviously, it was Pato. So for me, the, that decision was to protect Williams and Schlegel. Do you agree with that? Like, is that why you think he did that? And why did it not work? Um, I mean, I think, yeah, there probably was, in, you know, a reason to want to protect the back line a bit more. Um, I think Schlegel is best when he has, like, a Antonio Carlos or a Yonta next to him, two very sh- assured center backs where they can kind of provide some cover. And, and the same is true for Thomas Williams just because he's so young. So you would need kind of like the defensive midfielders to protect them and shield them a little bit more. Um, I think the main reason that it just did not work, like, I think – at times, like there would be stretches where, like defensively, we would, we wouldn't look good, but we wouldn't look awful. But we just could not get out at all, so we were constantly under pressure. And I think some of that is to do with the lack of, you know, a center back who is experienced in sort of building out at the back. I would say that Thomas Williams and Schlegel, respectively, are both like they look like to be not horrific in that aspect, but certainly not as good as we would hope. So they don't. I they're they're safe. I think they they don't like do the line breaking pass. They just pass it out to the to the right or left back. Yeah, like I think Thomas Williams. We saw him even like in the Rowdies game. Like he was doing what Janssen likes to do, where he'll pick up the ball a little bit and try to dribble out, which is completely fine and a good way to advance the ball from the center backs and then play it forward. But obviously, that's just he's not going to be able to carry that into a league match consistently at age seventeen. And, and Schlegel, like you said, he's just what he's going to do is get the ball and, and shift it on. And, and we just had nobody who could really play out, break the lines and, and release our pressure. So we were just constantly under it. Um, and we never really had a hold on this game. And I think that that's personally of my assertion, like that's kind of where I thought that most of our issues lie, just inability to, to hold the ball for more than two or three passes and, and to, to kind of give ourselves a breather. We were just constantly under it all game. It felt like. Yeah. And that's my other question in terms of the lineup. Uh, definitely. Pato over Kara. I know Kara can't start every match, and he's been on a, a string of starts recently. We've got a lot of matches coming up. This, to me, Adam, felt like a Kara game, though, because we needed someone to relieve that pressure, especially if we were going to be sitting in. Um, what did you make of the decision to start Pato? Yeah, I mean, I think it was fairly obvious that it was a rest game for Kara because, like you, you said, the game did call for him. Um one of the reasons I think that the double pivot didn't work is because there was too much for Sebas and Araujo to do because the the disconnect between the uh, the midfield and attack 
and, and also the defense intact because we didn't we just didn't have as much flow there as we normally did. Meant that Pato didn't get the ball enough. Meant that Pereira Pereira got on the ball a bit, but it, it was he didn't always have the support he needed. Torres didn't get on the ball enough, um, and you were missing a guy like Kara that they we could play long ball into that could effectively hold it up and wait for that support. So because Montreal had zero reason to uh, respect our attack, literally the entire game. They had no problem uh, throwing numbers forward at literally any point, and they had the majority of the possession too. So they were constantly getting numbers forward. And, you know, as good as Mendez and Araujo can be defensively, they're still only two guys, and they were having to regularly deal with attacks of three or more uh, with yeah. very little help from their center backs. So I think that's, yeah, Cara, I think Caro would have ha- would have helped win this game or at least have had have had it not be such an embarrassing blowout uh, would be m- more likely, but it, I think it was pretty obvious that it was a rest game. Yeah, so I'll, Chase, this next question is coming to you, and I'm just going to talk about Montreal for a little bit. So I watched the Montreal versus Atlanta match um, for the rewatch for the MLS Now Patreon um, that we've been doing over there, and the one thing that I could tell is the best way to get Montreal on the back foot was to play in between the lines in between their three center backs and their four midfielders. Uh, so, so that space in between the defense and attack Atlanta did a really good job of that by pressing the midfield and then dribbling forward. And Atlanta were the better team in that match for most of the game, even though they lost. Uh, it was, it was actually pretty surprising to me because I thought when I first watched the match, Montreal looked decent but Montreal definitely were struggling in that match. And I I wonder two things here. On that rewatch, Kone was pretty poor. And uh, he gave the ball away a lot. And I think Schwanier coming in that midfield, it was a much more uh, ball-protective player. He's much more technical. And then Piet is obviously uh, like-for-like like with Wanyama. Maybe even uh, at times a bit in certain scenarios, a bit better than Wanyama, maybe a bit quicker across across the ground, and and we've always struggled against him. Uh, he's he's a very good player, though. So my frustration is that we didn't play in those spaces. But the other thing is, and we had a player to do it in Alexandre Pato. He's the guy who would pop up in, in those spaces and receive the ball, but we couldn't get through their midfield, and. So when you can't get through their midfield, usually the next thing is to go over the top, right? But then they have three center backs. And my main question here, Chase, I think we've been struggling against teams with three center backs this season. Uh, Cincinnati started the game with three center backs before moving to a four at halftime. Um, Or I think it was the other way around. They started with four and then moved to a three. I think that's what it was. Um, New York Red Bulls play three center backs and then... Here again against Montreal, they play, play three center backs. Why do you think we're struggling against teams with who who use that setup back there? Hmm. It's a tricky one. I mean, I think that you make a good point about like, you know, Schronier, like he was an example of a player who was like advancing the ball not only through passing, but dribbling and taking someone on. And I kind of think our midfield three didn't really have anybody like you know, to do that, I guess. Um, 
I think that some of our struggles also kind of came like our wing play just wasn't great on the day. Like, I don't really think Facundo had a great game. And, and Benji, Benji, I think, was someone I saw a lot of talk about, um, like, as maybe, you know, Jake Mulraney came on and looked all right in his cameo, didn't really lose the ball as much as Benji might have and got on the ball a bit. So I think our wing play was poor. Tactically, I'm, you know, I'm not sure why we were having such trouble against three backs. I think that maybe it's just because we struggle to kind of create solid chances anyway. So once we come up against a more solidified back line, it's even harder to just break down. And, you know, especially if you get the wing backs coming in and a fullback dropping in, you get a lot of players behind the ball. Like we are just not really able to break down. Uh, you know, a, a solid defensive unit like that. Not that they were bunkering or anything like that, but, and I think that's something too, like we, I don't know, like it, I think that we have players who are capable of it, like Facundo, I think, you know, Pato to a lesser extent, but honestly really maybe as, at least the players who started, that might've been it. Like we don't have anyone who can really advance the ball, whether it be passing or dribbling. Like I'm talking about dribbling specifically, like I think Mendez and Pereira, they're fine at doing that but we don't have anyone who has that kind of dynamism that would be needed to kind of try to draw some players in and create space when there's so many players behind the ball. You mean like, um, like junior or so? Yeah. And a, a guy who can receive the ball, make a dribble and get, then get fouled and move the entire team up. Yeah. And yeah. Arahu has been all right at that, at least drawing fouls, but he yep. just is. He draws like, the most fouls in the league. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, but yeah, he's just not the type of player to like, draw in a player and then you know shift someone on into space or something like that like mm-hmm. i kind of think that's something that we're like missing in this team like like a luca obviously like it's not going to be able to be someone of this quality but like a zella ryan or even like a lucio acosta or somebody like that like somebody who can go at defensives and draw somebody in like we kind of s- spend a lot of time just sitting trying to break someone down having a lot of runs off the balls and we're kind of trouble troubling or struggling rather um, I, I, that's supposed to be Pato and Torres. Yeah, and I think Faku, I think Faku and Pato are having a little bit of trouble, like kind of gelling yeah. together, attacking duo. A little bit. Well, part part of the problem is we have basically five attackers we like to start, and it's a seemingly random combination of four of them <laughs> in whatever game, and we, we keep saying they need time gel, need time gel. Torres and Pato need to play together more. Straight up. They they do. Cause they they seem to never be on the same page. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Adam, what's your take? Is that your take on the back three or what what else? No, I think issues, the back what do you think? More, when you play a back three, you can kind of overload your wing defense because you're playing with wing backs and three center backs. So if you're t- getting attacked up the wing, you can commit two defenders rather than one uh, much more easily. And we love that right side buildup. So that's, w- that's option one a, right. And that's automatically canceled. Like uh, especially wing backs are generally more athletic. Juan does not have an easy time at, like, at Alistair Johnston. Perfect example. Juan did not have an e- easy time beating Alistair Johnston. Um, in fact, didn't at really any point. Um yeah. So that's that's your option one that you like that that Kuan versus Johnston. Was it was it Johnston or was it someone? No, else? it was their left wing back. Um, who no, was, was? Was he no, right That's their back. right wing back. Their left wing back was Lapalainen. Lapalainen. Yeah. 
as well. Huan should be winning that battle. He's a very technical, yeah. attack-minded left wing back. Yeah. But he's also athletic enough to get back, and he has that support of the left center back. Yep. You were correct over his lapping line. I got them mixed up. But anyway, Juan didn't was not a threat on the right side. So that kills that part of your attack, right? So then you're forced to go up the middle, and Montreal was clogging the midfield too uh, because uh, they just love to play a bunch of defenders and midfielders and then just have, uh, what's his name, Kyoto up top. And, mm-hmm. um, he, you know, Kyoto's good enough that he can make that work on his own. So it's it's tough to play up the right side. It's tough to play it up the middle. And then we didn't have Kara in. So, like, really, Kara is good enough to beat two center backs and hold up. It, it, we just didn't have him on when it mattered. So, so, so let's... We currently lack a way to get teams with three center backs out of position enough for our guys to have success. And and I think the the recipes for success there are Pato and Torres have to beat someone off the dribble. We need to get fouled more and get more set pieces. Because again, set piece goal. And it didn't end up mattering, but we're scoring at a decent rate on set pieces this season. Um, you know, Mauricio's got to pick a pass out, may, maybe play a bit more. I hate to say it, but just kind of pepper the ball into the box and try to get something. Uh, the The trade-off for playing the three-back system is sometimes it can be harder to get all your pieces into attack. So if you pin them back enough, you can generally neutralize the attack and play a low-scoring game like Poppy wants to. That's all well and good. It's not, I'm not saying we need to destroy everyone's three-back system. We just can't keep getting getting destroyed. Yeah, So so let's kind of combine all of that because I think... Both of you have great points, and I'm going to add one of my own, which I personally think is a great point. Um, so, so Chase, you're talking about we do, we are struggling in the midfield with technical quality. Um, to to Arrojo, Mendez, they're not helping get the ball up the pitch um, against these teams. Then we have Adam, the, the spaces are in the wings, and that's kind of where I was going. We also don't play long. We are, looking at the stats here, the least per 90 long balls attempted in the entire league. Um, Where is it? Passes longer than 30 yards is a long ball. For attempts per game, we're at 82.5. That is the least in the league. So we're playing the ball short. We're playing the ball... um, amongst our, our team uh we're not we're not kicking it long we're not pushing them back because when you kick it long into their half their team has to drop back and that gives your team the chance to gain some territory that you're being pushed back in so we saw that against the red bulls they were pushing us deep they were pushing us deep and we're not just sometimes we're just not going long we're not doing it enough so we're getting shoved into our into our half and then we're we're not getting out. So that's the other part with, with Pato and, and Faku. So we're trying to play through the midfield because that's that was the game plan from the beginning. I go back to the interview that Muzi gave when we drafted um, the center back out of Marshall, uh, Nathan DeSantos. He said Marshall play a system that we, we want to um, emulate almost. And they play. They played a four-three-three, very possession dominant, uh, keep the ball on the ground, short pass system. That's what we've seen this season. 
And so I think against these back three teams, that just plays into their hands because they can put their three center backs there. Every time we try to get up the field, one of their center backs is going to step on our striker. They're, they're going to clog up the midfield and we're not able to get out. Basically, summing all of that up, I think our tactics have been found out. And if you have that three-back system, then you're golden against us, right? Because this Montreal side did not clog up the midfield against Atlanta at all. At all. They they had a totally different game plan for that match. They were uh, much more trying to get it wide and, and, and not go through the middle at all. This match, Piet, Schwanier, Mihailovic, Torres... Uh, Lapalainen, they were all really, really tight in there. And and we we struggled big time. Um, and that's been, that was a really, really frustrating thing to watch in this match because we're staying true to our principles of play, of keep the ball on the ground, play it through, um, try and play attractive soccer. And sometimes we just need to get dirty, kick it long, go and press, get up the field, push them back. You don't have to score a a Columbus goal every single time. So I think that's part of the reason why we're struggling against these back three teams. And then also, yes, having Cara in this match to win fouls would have been very helpful. We are actually the most fouled team in the league as well, but I think we're getting them in spaces where we can't do anything with them, which is the midfield and our defensive third. So Adam, any final thoughts on that before we move on or same with you, Chase? Uh, I think that about sums it up. We we need to try something new against three backs. Yeah, it, it, we've been had our ass kicked twice now, unequivocally, against three back systems. Let's try it uh, with largely the same game plan both times. Mm-hmm. It's time to try something new. And not only ass kicked, but like three shots, none on target versus the Red Bulls. Two shots, one on target against Montreal and. The one on target was the goal, and it was a header off a corner. So, uh, not great. Um, Chase, coming over to you, and I think you kind of brought this up earlier when you were talking about it, but Facundo Torres, this has been another game where he kind of struggled, and I feel like these are the kind of games where we need him to step up, where we're struggling, uh, things aren't going our way. This is why you pay the big money for a player like this, um, to kind of push the team forward and look first season. We're not even 15 games in, like you can't have these high expectations on him, but overall we're not seeing great output from Facundo Torres right now. And that doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. Um, I don't think we're playing him in the right way. So why do you think he's, he's kind of been struggling in terms of output should we be expecting output from him or is the way he's being utilized? Maybe we should lower our expectations on goal and assist numbers. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, we're just not, I mean, not, I don't, I don't know if it's as blatant as saying like we are not doing this whatsoever, but we are kind of struggling with creating consistent chances. But I think some of that does kind of fall on him. I think that he and Pato, I think Adam makes a good point that he and Pato, because there are two best attackers, I would say, even better than Kara at the moment. Um, they need some more time together because they need to be able to, you know, get used to playing with one one another, understand the other's tendencies, and and kind of how to get the best out of each other. I think that 
as much as Facundo is a very technically good player and he can beat players on his own, uh, it's a little unfair, obviously, to expect him to be able to do it all on his own and he needs to be able to link up a bit more. Um, and I think that that's kind of where we have like struggles a little bit. Like if you look at like a team like Seattle or something like that, like I was watching the the final, they had like Albert Wisnack playing as one of their like six come a, it's kind of like a box to box player. Um, and, mm-hmm. and he, he was all over the field defensively doing really well, but he was, he's also able to kind of get forward and contribute in the final third there. And really like, if you look at the lineups that we're putting out there, like a front three of like Benji Pato and Facundo, and then like maybe Mauricio as well. But then other than that, aside from like Juan, who's obviously had a really rough season, which I don't know if some of that can be like his inability to kind of, well, I don't know. I mean, he, he hasn't been able to deliver a cross or anything like that. So that can't really be attributed to like chemistry issues with Facundo. I, I just think that Facundo maybe has been struggling with players to link up to because I think Benji has been rough this year. I think Juan has obviously been pretty bad. I think Pereira has been good. Um, I think he's like leading in assists for us right now. A, a few of those might be those kind of MLS assists, but it, it, he just is a like like any of our attackers have felt, especially in performances like this where we have not been up to snuff. Like they just feel completely isolated, and part of the onus is on Facundo to try to get into the game a bit more. But it's also kind of points to maybe some issues with the system that we're occupying. Like why are our attackers? so isolated and why are we unable to kind of get them get the ball to them with any real you know attacking um bite about us if that makes sense like whenever we get the ball into pato it doesn't necessarily look like it's the start of a great attack it looks like we've sprung it forward and he's kind of without anyone to play the ball to other than maybe facundo maybe benji like there's just not a whole lot more in our attack to get numbers forward so I don't know. I I think that Facundo is a talented player. He's obviously very young and still growing into his role. Um, but I think some of the issues are are him, and I think a fair bit more are maybe like kind of the way he's being played at the moment. Like I think it's just kind of not playing to his strengths and leaving him a bit isolated. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And to, to your point about us not really creating like a lot of chances, we have the fourth least amount of shots in the entire league and we've played 11 games if you go look at per 90 we're second worst with an average of 9.27 obviously there's a a three and a two in there to kind of drive that total down but i was counting earlier i think seven of our 11 matches have seen shot totals overall shot totals underneath 10 so, so not even hitting double digits for an entire game. And I think some of those were at home as well, looking at the, the New York Red Bulls three, obviously, at home. So so definitely we're not creating chances um, to get him in, in goal-scoring shooting positions. But I agree he's not being used correctly either. I've been kind of consistent, I think, with this, that Facundo on the right in the current way that that right wing position is used, I'm not a fan of because I think he just gets into other people's spaces. I almost think a more strict right wing role for him where he can obviously he would still cut in and, and do stuff, but kind of similar to how Chris Mueller's role was out on the right, where he was kind of in that fourth lane Maybe him operating there would be better than him 
floating all the way into the middle would be a better suited role and, and higher up the field and and com- playing combination play with, um, I guess, Urso is usually on the right now instead of Pereira. But Pereira, Urso, or, uh, and then obviously Juan getting in behind. Adam, what do you what do you think about Facundo Torres' struggles this season, and, and how should we be using him to to get the most out of him? Yeah, so here's the problem. I don't necessarily think it's Facu's fault, or that I, we I agree. Who could have expected really anything different from him, given how the team plays? I think we need more off-ball movement from everyone else. So so you say Faku's getting in everyone else's space, right? Well, they should move. Because <laughs> Faku's moving around trying to make something happen. And it and this drives me crazy. Um when you know you watch like kind of two players uh kicking the ball back and forth and like trying to get open for a pass, and then they finally do like like Mauricio and Mutinho on the left side. They'll be like up and up the left wing and they'll get to the final third and they'll kind of like back and forth a little bit to get free, like half a yard away from a defender. And Reese will like, look at, pick his head up to look for a pass. And he looks up and everyone is standing still and covered. It drives me freaking crazy. When you see that, like this whole time, no one's showing for the ball. No one's like, his would be perfect if like Pato would cut and show for the ball. And then Torres would make a run off in that right side channel that could be a movement that could create a goal there. Because Pacho can eat. Not, it's not an easy thing to do, but it, he has a skill to chip it in, you know? Like, move, people. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's anything wrong with what Pacho's or with what Torres has been doing because he's been moving. And I think he's sometimes the only one that's trying to make something happen even when he does or doesn't have the ball. So I, I like the free role for him. I think that's why we paid $10 million for him because he's a player that can play a free role. And I wish other players that are capable of it, like Mauricio and Pato, uh, would do more of that as well and move off the ball and try to move kind of in tandem with each other. So if he moves into Pato's space, Pato go move into someone else's space and force them to move too. Because that's how you get the defense moving and that's how that opens up holes in things like a back three, you know, because you got to move that defense in order to get through it. If you're if you're just allowing that back three to sit there and stay assignment sound, you will not score a goal it, or on anything but a set piece. It's not going to happen. I I largely agree with that. Um, for me, Pato, I, it makes sense to play a false nine against a back three if you're going to use them. Um, and if they're going to play, but then for he me, has to act like a midfielder. Yeah, Pato wasn't really playing, but like he was almost a non-factor in this match against Montreal, really. And he's looked a little lackadaisical at times um, in this season. Yes, he's still been very, very creative for us when he's had the space to do it. But whenever he's been up in that nine position. Um, other than maybe that first match against Montreal, um, he, he's kind of been a non-factor. Uh, and maybe that's just recency bias of me talking. So I, I get what you're saying with Facundo, because I do think you're right, he is moving. And then maybe maybe Pato isn't kind of 
moving to the right to get out of the way and then Pereira isn't you know moving to the right spot and then Benji isn't making that run in behinds something's not working there with Facundo Torres I guess my question is and this is in follow-up to you Adam something's not working with Facundo Torres like I think we can all just say that as a fact even though that we think this could be the right role for him it is not working we I do you think we should change it he does need to shoot more, which I think maybe would, if he was more comfortable in a more structured role, he might find situations in which he's more comfortable shooting. Um, if you look at his heat map, uh, Matt Doyle, I think, called him allergic to the box. <laughs> I mean, is, it is yeah. it's pretty bad. Um, he's not getting in positions. So we need to like almost structure him ways to get in shooting positions. And I think a more structured right-sided role might be the way to do that. Maybe I I would think more in plays. Like um not necessarily like you're calling a play out like okay guys, we have the ball, we're going to run this play, but you know, practicing set movements on the training ground that when you get into a game against a certain defense, these will work and kind of everyone knows what to do. And he sees a pass goes one way, someone makes one run. He's like, oh, I need to make this run right now. And if this goes according to plan, I'm going to get the ball and shoot it. So maybe not saying, maybe not saying you need to stay in this role on the right side, but give him cues that if he sees something, he needs to do a certain something. Yeah, he's also not running in behind as well. And that was our issue with Nani. And Facundo's yeah. really helping him build up as well and, and, and dropping in to try and get touches on the ball. And but he's definitely fast enough to make those behind runs. Yeah, and he should be. Chase, uh, any any thoughts on what Adam and I were just discussing there around Facu? I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think that it's not as much of a like it's not all him because he's just not in a position to do much. Like it definitely feels like he's doing. Uh, once he gets the ball, he has to kind of try and do it all himself. Um, and it, I think that maybe like I'm not anyone who's like, oh, Oscar. And this will probably take us into something else. But like I definitely don't think Oscar Pereira's job is in danger or anything like that. But I think that at times we are looking a little bit lost for ideas like there really isn't much of a set game plan because like adam said like it's not this isn't american football like you don't have set plays um but there are kind of patterns of movement that you would like to see and and ways that you shift the ball on and it kind of feels like once we get beyond our midfield like it's just kind of a freestyle if that makes sense and and that obviously is not something that you would want to see like i'm sure that there are is plans there's tactical ideas here but they're just not coming out like hope. Well, honestly, I think you're right. Um, and and I, I don't, I'm not putting this down to Faku either. Like I, I personally think the coaching staff isn't putting him in a position to succeed and, and he's trying his best. He is floating all over the place. He is trying to dribble. He is, you know, making runs at, at defenses. I, I think we need to, as a coach, not we, but as a coaching staff, they need to put him in a, better opportunity, better better position to, to be more dangerous in the final third. In terms of like the ideas in the final third, 
yeah, it's Huan down the right. I I'm not seeing a lot of runs in behind from Benji on the left. Like, you know, cutting across a, a defense, running across and, and getting a through ball. I think that's something we could maybe see a little bit more uh, that we're I mean, not seeing. We're I not seeing so runs in behind from our middle, strikers. For their play up the middle, one of the plans seems to be Mauricio find someone, but no one is making the runs for him to find. Well, so then why are we then why are we asking when well, then why is that know. our plan? I don't know. I I can't figure it out. But uh, tell you've seen the same thing, right? The uh, ball always yes. finds its way to Mauricio's feet. He picks his head up. He tries to play someone in. No one's making a run. And, and for me, par- partially that's Pato. He doesn't run in behind either. Facundo. He needs to be running in behind more. And that's where I think that instruction comes in from the coaching staff. Um, Pato's not going to run in behind. I think we're playing very safe with Pato. We don't want him to get injured, so we're not I mean, going to force Pato him to run. He's trying to, to run in behind a little bit, but he's not that fast. That's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, when, when he touches the ball, he can slip by a defender, but rarely does he touch the ball first because he just doesn't have the athleticism anymore. So, so that's kind of goes to my point last week, Adam, about why I think we need to be have Benji as a starter just to have that speed and in behind threat. But if we're not even going to use it, then like, <laughs> that's I don't insane. even know. Yeah, we're not using Benji in that role. So, <laughs> and that's relitigating the. I think yeah. we're getting we're using Benji to at least I mean, get to the final we're, third. We're going to talk, you know, preferred setup tactics later for one of the questions anyway. Yeah. So so let's kind of yeah, we can kind of we got bogged down there. We can keep moving on. Um, speaking of Maurizio Pereira, Chase, we were pretty late on in this match, only two one down. And yes, it was an awful performance, but we were two one down and Maurizio Pereira gets subbed out. Um, we still had the opportunity to, to steal a point. We had the opportunity to make a make some changes. Um and in the 76th minute, we took out Maurizio Pereira. Obviously, he's been playing a lot this season. We have uh, a lot of games coming up. We have Open Cup tomorrow night um, that I'm sure he will feature in. He featured in the Open Cup game against the Rowdies. We've got two more away games, Toronto and Austin. Was this the right time to take him off, even though... In this match, we we may have wanted to push for an equalizer, and he's obviously going to be the, the best player to give us a chance to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think as the game went on, he was a little less involved. Um, I don't know if that, you know, I could be completely off base, but I just found myself kind of hoping to see him pick the ball a bit more. Um, but even still, like, in terms of the midfield spot, like I know that there's talk about like, oh, Mulraney can play through the middle or Pato can even drop in or something like that. But he really is just like our only like truly creative midfielder, um, which kind of is obviously a very risky thing to go off on. Like, because once he's, you know, subbed out and, you know, we have to bring on somebody like Andreas Perea, who is at fault, honestly, for the fourth goal. As much as it was a very nice strike, like he lost the ball and stuff like that. Like it's once we get beyond him, 
we just lose so much of our creative ability in the midfield. And I'm sure that, like, obviously there could have been issues with, like, fatigue and stuff like that. But it is still just an issue that once we, once he comes off, um, you know, we have some players who have some creative ability. Like, Mulraney was looking pretty all right um, in terms of, like, trying to create. And, and Pato can drop in. And, and I think I think Pato's the best when he's, like, dropped in and played with Kara especially and kind of been able to try to find him. But I don't know. I, I think that it was – obviously, you don't want to risk any injury. It's early in the season. As much as the performance is worrying, it's still, you know, it, it's there's a long season to go. So we don't kind of want to start stretching our players out too thin. But it really just is I, – I don't want to say it's the wrong decision for that reason, but it's a little bit frustrating just to see that once Mauricio comes off – and, you know, once Mauricio is on the field, it doesn't necessarily look like we're creating chances for fun. But once he comes off, it's just like, uh, it's hard to see where it's coming from, you know? Yeah. Uh, Adam, what say you? That we are entirely too reliant on Mauricio Pereira and Junior herself. For what the third year running, <laughs> I mean, there's they're they're the only two that connect the defense to the attack. Uh, at this point, with the the way they're playing and the current instructions and whatever, they're the only ones who do it because Torres and Pato don't drop low enough, and you know, Mendez and Arujo aren't finding the wingers for whatever reason. Um, they're certainly not finding the strikers. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> to to was he off for per, Perea? I think was the sub for him. Perea for Pereira. Yep. Yeah, and everyone knows my feelings on Perea that listens to this podcast. I'm not going to rehash him, but yeah, you you took off your your any chance at you know finding the perfect pass, which was for some reason the game plan. You took a, you took away that chance. And Mulraney and Carr were on at that point, and they, they were looking okay, like you said. Um, I really, really, really hope we beat the Union. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, Which, um, to okay. that, um, their coach, whose name is Jim Curtin, uh, in an interview today, basically let slip that they were going to play seven non-starters. Um Wow. So Oscar Preha should, you know, take that and be like, okay, we should play as as strong of a lineup as we can and destroy them. Yeah, just for morale, just for um to stay in the competition that could just, potentially give us a trophy. Trophy and uh Concacaf Champions spot, League. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we we should be going for this competition. So now. Mauricio Mauricio should play. Mauricio should be ready to give at least 45 tomorrow. Yeah, easily. Um, let's go ahead and move on to Jake Mulraney, actually. Um, Adam, you've been hearing my thoughts on Gaston Gonzalez um, for for this whole entire season and early offseason when we were linked to him and we did the scouting bid. I think our left-hand side, I'm going to say this one last time just for you, Chase, our left side could really use some speed and just a little bit better technical quality on the um, in that left winger. And then also uh, I think a left footer makes sense out there. And Jake Mulraney kind of hits those boxes. Um, he's very quick. 
He's got a little bit more technical quality. We saw that in like the first 20 seconds after he came in. He 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 got a long ball. He took a touch, played a one-two, and then put an early cross into the box for one of our most dangerous attacks of the game. And that's pretty pathetic that that was one of our most dangerous attacks of the game. Um, but anyways, um, so so that's kind of the stuff that I've I've been thinking. That's what we're missing down that side. So it was very refreshing to see that. On the flip side, one of my main issues after watching some Mulraney footage um, this past weekend was defensively and I'm not gonna kill him for it but on the third goal if you go and re-watch it he covers the wrong lane I think he steps to cover um kind of an inside passing lane even though we have Moutinho we have Araujo and we have Mendez in the middle there and he leaves Brock Guillard wide open down the wing and he's obviously the one who puts in the cross for Joaquin Torres, who kind of puts the dagger in on the 80th minute, 81st minute. Chase, what did you make of... I'm not killing Mulraney for it. It's just my one worry for him was his defensive awareness, defensive positioning. And we've already kind of seen that, but he also hasn't even trained with the team really yet. What were your thoughts on Mulraney's um, sub-appearance uh, in this match? Yeah, I, I see what you're talking about in the third goal, but... I don't know. I kind of, like you said, I'm not overly faulting him for that. Like, if he kind of bit too early on Broke Yard, then um, who was it? It might have been Sean or somebody like that. They would have had much more space to charge forward. Which obviously it was their center back Waterman. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, so maybe he's not as much of a threat to kind of push forward. And and there were players coming across to cover, but I don't know. To me, that that isn't like, like you said, it's not overly egregious. Um, but just looking at him. Particularly in comparison to our other um, consistent starter at the left wing, Benji, he is just he he is like he is very quick, which is something that Benji like possesses as well. Which, like you said, Benji's kind of taken a bit of a step down this season, which is in terms of his pace, which is something that I noticed a bit this game. Um, but he also is just a very good technical player. Like I don't necessarily think he's a goal scorer, but in terms of staying out on the left side. Um, and and being able to receive the ball and beat a player and and, and deliver like a very nice cross like we saw in his first action, um, he, I think that he. I mean, obviously, it's one game, and and you can also look at what he's done for Atlanta. But I think that it's he, arguably, is a better player than Benji Michelle right now. Benji's a bit more of a goal threat, but it, it's not as consistent as as you would like. And I think Benji Michelle he just loses the ball way too much in possession. Like I think. I saw I saw on Twitter it's like he had like 15 touches or something like that. Uh, he lost the ball like three times, and I think Mulraney had like 16 touches, and he did not lose possession at all. Um, like like the point being that Benji was just really not too involved in the game, um, and when he was getting the ball, he would you know overturn possession a lot, and then once Mulraney receives the ball, um, as much as it's not always. You know, he's no Cristiano Ronaldo or something like that coming in from the left wing or like a Mohamed Salah who's going to, you know, beat a man and, and, you know, put the ball in the top corner or something like that. But he has some creative ability and he also is intelligent enough and technical enough to not lose the ball consistently, which has been a bit of an issue with Benji Michelle. Um, I don't necessarily think Jake Marini is going to light the league on fire, um, but I do think that left wing has been an issue for us and I think that at least for now obviously he was a bit of a stopgap because we 
had a player lined up to come in to occupy that position. And then, you know, they tore their ACL, unfortunately, which is just how the game goes. Um, I, I, I think that he he is someone who I could very easily see kind of take up a consistent starting position, or at least him and Benji are going to rotate it. Um, but Benji just hasn't been up to it this season, I feel like. And and I think that Mulraney could be somebody that can see some improvement on that left side. Adam, how you how do you feel about Mulraney and how he's going to fit in with our team? I think y'all kind of hit all the points. There's nothing really to add. He basically got off the plane and stepped onto the pitch. So, no, not not much to tell about him yet. But overall, what we kind of know of him is, uh, yeah, it's pretty obvious they they were disappointed in losing Gonzalez because they had a plan for him to occupy the season. It really says more about Benji, in my opinion, in that Benji Benji is playing a role that was not created for him. Yep. He was and, he's playing the Gonzalez role. Yeah. And that if they want a player to play that role, they need a little more like for like. Yep. And, and shoehorning Benji and there's not the answer. Benji is a good player who has a useful skill set that is not being used to his skill set. Jake Mulraney, or sorry, Gaston Gonzalez is like Jake Mulraney going forward and Benji going back. I think we will see continue to see Benji start matches because of his defensive work rate and, and just how comfortable he's looked defensively out there on that side. Um, and then Mulraney will come on to Which be... Is- Crazy and, and a and a credit to Benji Michelle. He yes. was a striker <laughs> when we brought him in. You in academy, college, everything. Striker, go forward, get in behind, shoot the ball, score the goal. Striker, and he is at times playing wing back. A crazy development on his defensive side. Absolutely nothing wrong with him there. That's not what we're saying. We're saying going forward, his skill set is not being utilized effectively. All right, well, let's get into some questions here. We have a lot of good questions, so we could be spending a lot of time here discussing these. Chase, going to start with you with, uh, and I think it's fitting to start with you here, at Godrigo11 underscore 21 underscore 20. Obviously, you looking just like him. Do you think we should have rested some of our starting 11 against Montreal? For me, I felt like that was going to be a tough win anyways. And I want us to beat Philly to move on for the Open Cup. Vamos Orlando. Uh, I mean, I, I think that it was going to be a tough game. Montreal have been playing pretty... I think Montreal are actually a pretty good team. Oh, um, yeah. But it's, it, it's just hard to balance a cup competition, particularly with an MLS team where, like, you can't draw on academy players who are, you know like elite level, especially in comparison to the competition that you'll play. I'm referring to like, you know, like a Man City, if they're playing in the third round of the FA Cup, even there's a good chance they're playing against a lower league team. So you can rely on rotation a lot more. Um, And we don't have that luxury. Like we don't have as deep of a squad to draw from. And I think that there were points to be taken here in this game. So I can definitely see why we would want to go with not necessarily a full strength 11, but pretty much a full strength 11 um but i'm also like an advocate for going to the cups going for the cups especially this year um and 
I could see why we would want to rest players, but it's just like, I don't know who we would have rotated for. You know what I'm saying? Like, where would that have come from? Like, I, we we rested Kara, and I think that he's probably going to start. Um, and I could honestly see Mulraney starting. I don't know if that's going to be enough. Um, and then I think that the midfield saw a little bit of rotation as well. I think the biggest player that is a bit of a question mark is Mauricio, where he's going to play. Because I think Zhao, despite the fact that Zhao's played every minute this season, I think that that's going to continue. And I think the center backs, you know, we didn't really have much of an option to rotate there. In fact, we really didn't have an option at all. Um, so I think that we'll see like Junior come back in. And, and I, I think the only one that's like a bit of a question is like, how is Mauricio going to feel? coming into this game, which maybe is why we saw him come off. Um, we we saw Urso against Galaxy play on that right side. I wonder if we see that for this match against Philly. Which I kind of I kind of liked. Like I, I'm kind of intrigued mm-hmm. by it. like that kind of like I think I called it, you know, it, it is a compliment to Urso, I guess, to call him this, but like the David Beckham Paul Urso type wide player where like he's not like going to get on the line and beat a man, but he is like a central midfielder kind of playing out there looking to, I don't know, just occupy that role. Like, I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying. No. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it's hard, right? You, you look at, uh, the question here, do you think we should have rested some of our starting 11? I mean, the only real options might've been Juan. I think Urso was rested. Um, so, and I think but then do you just go full yeah I think Cara he will start Kara what do you want to put Andres Perea and Joey Desart out there right it, it, that's where I was going like Perea two shots on goal to zero <laughs> <laughs> it would have been just all defense no offense we still have to try and win games and yes in hindsight losing 4-1 yeah we should have just thrown no, our bench players hindsight. out there in hindsight, do we throw every single defensive? Do we throw like Mikey Halliday, Christian Hackenberg, not Christian, whatever the other Hackenberg's name is? Brandon. Uh, Desart, Perea, you know, everyone out there and just put 11 behind the ball and try to get a nil nil. Do you want to see that? No. Uh, like hindsight 2020. Yeah, we got our asses kicked. I respect Perea for going for the game. Speaking of Hackenberg, I have a sneaky feeling we could see him start. I think we could oh, see him given no. a chance. I, I th- no. I, I'm not advocating for it, Tomorrow? but it's interesting. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Was, no, Janssen Schleichel. Or Janssen Williams at the minimum. Oh, Janssen will be back. He's not injured. Chris, or Chase, you're breaking up. What were you saying? Oh, shit, my fault. I sat behind Hackenberg's dad on the New York Red Bulls game against the Columbus. There's honestly no point to me other saying, like, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, it, it, it was, it's cool to see our draft picks getting utilized, and, and it's cool to see see a dad be so proud out there. Probably tears in my eye, you know what I'm saying? That was basically yeah. it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I forgot Will, uh, Janssen is, I forgot Janssen yeah, is an injured. He's just suspended. Yeah. yeah, so I, I take Janssen that Janssen is going to play tomorrow. He better. Yeah. Yeah, he, he got his rest this weekend. If, if it's Johnson Williams, I'm not gonna be too upset. I want Schlegel to play, but I get it. But it should be Johnson Williams. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let's see here. I'm looking through the questions. Um, 
Adam, this one goes to you because it kind of goes to our discussion last week. Do you think Kyle Smith should be our starting right back moving forward? Uh, this is from Tesho Time at Forever Our City. It's always Tesho Time. It's always Tesho Time. Do you think Kyle Smith should be our starting right back moving forward? He says, I think that would fortify our defense and allow us to shift our build-up play focus to the left, as you discussed on last week's episode. The more I think about it, the more that makes sense. I mean, I, we need to try something different. And, te- and Huan being the focus of how our team chooses to play and what shape it chooses to take, I don't think is working for us because Juan has not been in the best form this year. It's worth a shot. I, I think <laughs> I, it is. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's definitely the way to go, but it's worth a shot. Imagine Smith, a more defensively sound right back behind Faku on the right. Like maybe that frees him up. Or, or is that just me thinking on paper? Because Faku comes uh, back that, deep anyway. I think anyways. that's more on paper. And I don't think Juan's problem has necessarily been super defensively. It's more been he hasn't been giving us the offense to justify his role as the focal point of that side. But also think about this, Adam. We're always like like looking at the heat maps, right? Juan is up near midfield. Kyle Smith yeah. would not be in that same role, so instead Facundo would kind of operate in that space yeah, on the but pitch. Facu hasn't been tied to that right side. I, that that hasn't been an issue for Facu. But I think he would be, which is kind of what I was advocating for earlier. If if Smith were the 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 fullback, you yeah, because Facu then we have be nobody on the right. right. Yeah, he wouldn't be tied, but he would probably operate more out there because Juan is our fifth. Our, our full right fifth lane player. He has that whole right flank to ourself, his self. He might as well be a right wing back, really. If he's not on the pitch, Smith's not going to do that. We've all come to that conclusion. We all know why he's not fast. Mm-hmm. That's not his role. He's a defensive player. So who's going to go out there and do that? Our right winger. And I think he's going to be more of a fourth lane winger. Well, I think, yes, that space needs to be occupied at times, but it doesn't always need to be occupied, which is, why we were saying that, you know, starting Smith and, and attacking more up the left would make sense. If you're attacking up the left, you don't need that fifth lane player. You need, you know, just someone in the right side channel to get on the end of a cross. Oh, oh but, yeah. And that would be yeah. Facundo, right? Yes, but he's not tied to that right touch. Okay. Line. So, we're, yeah, we're saying the same thing, just different ways. Yeah. We okay. agree here. That makes, that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's worth a shot. At a certain point, you cannot keep trying the same thing over and over again. And these are professional players, and they deserve the competition for the role if someone does, isn't playing to justify a choke pulled on it. You know, like, Mendez was great last year. Adorujo came in, and he won the role. You know? No one's spot should be set in stone just because they had a a good couple of years. It, it should be a meritocracy. And if the team might work better with Kyle Smith, I think Poppy needs to explore that explore that option. Chase, do you have a reason why we should stick with Juan on that right side? 
I mean, the only reason would be that he had a solid performance against Charlotte, and then this was just a poor team performance. And obviously, he is somebody who can provide a lot <clears throat> going forward. But like that is based off of what occurred last season, and we're still early in the season, obviously. But I mean, we're getting to be a third of the way through now. And he just hasn't really consistently been up to par. I think that if we were going to pull this trigger, it should have been done a bit earlier. I think maybe it doesn't necessarily make the most sense right now. Um, coming off of like his best spell of form. But that being said, it was just, it was one game, albeit a very good one. Um, and I think that Huon is just a player who's like not as consistent. But if he gives you everything, you know, we know he can, he is the better fullback but I think Kyle Smith is just much more consistent and gives us like you said that tactical versatility a little bit because you know he is capable of shifting the ball on a little bit and getting a little bit higher up the field but he's also very solid defensively and able to kind of play as a center back almost in in some ways at least in terms of the responsibilities that he has um I think the only reason that you would question like making this decision now is you know, Huan is maybe looking to put together uh, a little bit of an okay run of form, notwithstanding this last po- poor team performance. Um, but, and, and I think that the, the team, when it's playing at its best, has Huan at right back. Um, but it just has not been the case thus far this season. And I think if Kyle Smith, which in his cameo appearances, he's done just everything that you would expect of him. So I think that it makes sense to maybe play him in this cup competition, give him a little bit more of a run out in the league, and then kind of allow it, like Adam said, to be a bit of like a meritocracy and see in this competition for places who is making a claim for it and, um, you know, at least give him the opportunity to do so. But I think Huan has bought himself a little bit more time with the Charlotte performance that, like, I must say. Another thing to think about, and and Chase, I personally disagree i thought juan while good on the goal and good on the assist was pretty same for the rest of the night against charlotte and yes you you can't just Mm say well you scored and got an assist and other than that you were shit like (laughs) like, i mean he still did those things but but his cross was bad his his defense was normal that assist was handed to him by charlotte let's be real yeah that's it's you can't expect a goal from juan really ever um, as much as like, you know, like you said, it's like, oh, it is nice that he was on the score sheet. Um, and also Charlotte obviously committed every single player they had in the box and had gave Huan all the space in the world. Um, Huan, and he had, Huan fact, had gone past everyone before midfield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> offside. We know he's the fastest player in the league. That's not the question. Yeah. They weren't catching him. That's not the question. The question was whether or not he played well. I mean, on the goal, and he says, "Sure." Uh, he, I, well, I agree with Gavin. What I saw from him, otherwise, it was no different. Which is really disappointing because he has played better. So with the Smith thing, and I think this is another thing that people might not be thinking about. We lost Antonio Carlos, who was a defensive rock on that right center back side. We need somebody down that right side to be that that defensive guy, and Schlegel's not doing like like Schlegel's good defensively, but he's not that next level, that kind of lockdown player. And Smith at times can be that lockdown player, I think. 
And maybe that's another part of the equation. Having another defensive-minded player in that position who, you know, he can put in a tackle. He's going to position his body correctly. He He's going to make those last-ditch efforts. Like, all the things you think of with Smith, maybe having Smith and Schlegel down that side is a, a two-man replacement for Carlos, who we've obviously lost to to injury. Um, just Just another thought that we lost a player there and you can't sometimes you can't replace somebody that important with one guy and and expect the same results let's look here for a different question moy rico suave um while it's bad to be too critical or reactionary i find it bad to be too apologetic as well i agree um, what would you say are fair criticisms of Pereja, the coaching staff, and the players? So let's let's just go one by one here. What would you say, Adam, is a fair criticism of Pereja and the coaching staff? Um, yeah, yeah. Just what what's a fair criticism of Pereja and coaching staff? I'll end it there. I think they take. Oscar Pereja has a way in his mind that he wants to play. And, and it's all it is also one of the great things about him that he wants his team to be the protagonist and assert themselves on the other team. That doesn't always mean possession. That doesn't always mean a lot of attacking play. But that means they want to play their game, right? Their game doesn't always work. And it's been figured out a little bit. And he's having a tough time figuring out a different game. And, and I, I don't know that his game in Orlando is much different than it was in Dallas, is much different than it was in Colorado. It, it's a good game. It's won a supporter shield. It's won an open cup. It's made playoffs a bunch of times. But it's the same one, and it's starting to get a little stale. So uh, I think that's the biggest criticism of him because let's not get it twisted. He's a great coach, but if we're talking about what are his shortcomings, I think he is a little slow to adapt sometimes um, on just, you know, my system isn't working. I need to go to plan D because, you know, we have, we have plan A and B and he, and he seems to be okay with, with like having two plans basically. Plan B doesn't work. He seems lost. I think that's fair. Um, Chase, let's move it over to you. Any thoughts on Pereja and the coaching staff? What's a fair criticism for them? Yeah, I mean, I think what like Adam is saying about like tactical versatility is true. Like, I think that they're, you know, you can see ideas of what Oscar Pereja wants to do. I think that if you can look at the Columbus game, like that is the ideal performance in the way that we move the ball and the way that we were, you know, on the attack. But I think that we can also just kind of, I mean, yeah, that can fail a lot and, and we can have games like, you know, uh, against Montreal here where we're just not able to get out. We are looking without ideas and we never feel like we're going to get into it. Um, and I kind of think that Oscar, as much as, you know, we do want to play possession sometimes style, like, it's it's never the prettiest 
sometimes I would say. And and, and there'll mm-hmm. be a, like maybe like Hernan Lasada or something like that where you can say like, you know, I know he's already since been fired, but like while he was there, when they weren't getting the results, you can still kind of see like what they were trying to do. And you could say, oh, maybe they've been a bit hard done or like they're kind of working towards something. And I think that Pereja, maybe more than most coaches, how you feel about him is based on the results that he is getting, because that is something that he comes in with the reputation of, you know, uh, like we talk about like the poppy special of something like that, being able to grind out like a one nil draw or even like a nil or a one nil win or even like a nil nil draw or something like that. Just getting results like that is the name of his game. Um, he's results first and then style second, I would say. And some coaches are wanting to stamp their mark on the game and then they'll view results as something that will just come naturally through that. You know what I'm saying? So when we are looking like unable to adapt and and find results, that is when like you really have to question Oscar Pereja because there isn't something that you could rest on like, oh, like we were really trying and sticking to our ideals and we can really foresee a, a scenario where it comes together. Like I think Oscar Pereja is a manager that has to get results. And, and it's I, I can almost see how this sounds like stupid to say, like obviously a manager needs to get results in order to win. But because as much as he is a protagonist, he is also a bit of a um, pragmatist in some ways. And if mm-hmm. he is like a, adapting to the game and, and grinding out results, which is his specialty, it's more of a cause for concern than a coach who has like all of these bright ideas and is trying to move on and, and play this really expansive type of soccer or something like that. And, and you can be like, oh, results will come. Like Oscar Perea just has to grind out results, in my view, for the type, like, as, for the type of coach that he is. Yeah, um, uh, where I'm going with this is similar. Tactical flexibility is definitely one of my gripes. Um, also, I think he's reactive versus proactive um, in terms of changes, in terms of uh, even not even subs, just in terms of changes on the pitch. So it, it takes almost a stoppage for him to, to make a change, right? And, and I know it's difficult to make a change while you're there on the pitch while the game is going. You know, you, you almost need a stoppage. Um, but you can have plans for that. You can have uh, someone go down with a, a cramp or something. Or you can have these kind of... Um, I don't. I can't think of a better word for it right now, but like a work cue or, or or a cue in general. So so he pits up three fingers, and that means this to the players. You know that sort of thing. I, I don't see a lot of that. I don't see a lot of small nuanced changes. It, it's kind of very samey. Um, and I think uh, going back to earlier, I think we have been figured out, and, and Pere has been figured out. Yes, he can roll out different players week to week um but but overall it's the same system and that's my other gripe he's fitting players into his system which there are positives and negatives to that guys if your coach has a a a system that he knows loves and has and is proven to have worked in this league in the past then it's probably going to work again and and shoehorning players into the system like no matter what you're going to see results right we're still in a playoff position but that can only last so long before coaches need to change it up excuse me before coaches need to change it up before coaches need to uh 
make little little changes here and there, and that depends on the players they have. That depend like, like for example, I, I don't think Dallas's right back when he was there was as um, attack minded as Juan is. Right, so he had Juan, so he changed his system a little bit. Uh, I think it's time for a change in system and maybe a change in in personnel, definitely at that right back position. Um, we were trying to do that in the left wing position as well, and we just got super unlucky. So I think that's a great question. Um, so any, go ahead. One thing to add on to that, uh, you mentioned that he's a system coach, which I agree. Um, he has his way he wants to play, and he always has. What's the biggest strength that Oscar Pereja is known for in MLS? Winning tight games? Are you no, talking about the 1-0? I'm talking about development of, of young players. Mm. And what if, if we're talking about being critical, Orlando City, you are fucking shit at that. <laughs> yeah. You are absolutely <laughs> yeah. dog shit embarrassment to the concept that is developing young soccer players in an area as talent rich as Florida. You know where Georgie Mihailovic is from? Fucking Jacksonville. He should have been playing for us. He should not be playing for Montreal. He should be playing for Orlando City. Orlando City front office has completely scrapped and tried to rebuild our academy, I think, no less than three times. At once, while Pereja was here. It... So you're taking a guy who has a system that he wants to play, and his his whole thing is the U13s play my system, the U15s play my system, the U17s play my system, the U19s play my system, the, U, the, the B team plays my system. And so I have this constant influx of players who have been playing in my system for five years, right, that are talented, that I'm getting three or four players a year that can step up and they can join my first team. And they they I don't even have to tell them anything. They can just you slot in and go play it. And they're the exact type of players I want because they've been training that way. The entire- he doesn't have that here. And, and so he's having to make that work purely from outside acquisitions. You know, even the, the young players like Thomas Williams, that he's gotten, we just picked him up. You know, he's 17. Yeah. He hasn't been pray system for, you know, his entire life. 17 years old. He's maybe, uh, Someone can fact check me on this, but maybe I'm playing it for two years. Yeah, and that's but, because we, he, he hasn't had that time, Pereja, yeah. because he's only been here three years. But, but like he's not someone like anything. an Alex Freeman might be one of those. Yeah, he's not getting anything. And because Orlando City has been the worst team in the league, and, and I'm, I, I can't think of anyone worse than us at this the worst team in the league at developing homegrown young talent bar none since yeah. they came into MLS. We could do with an inback fall right now. We could do with a Georgie Mahalovich right now. We could do with some yeah. of that Florida talent big time. Shinya Shiki just moved to Charlotte. Yeah. It, embarrassing. So that, that's what I would say as far as a critique of Orlando city goes. The fact that, we for so long weren't buying outside players. We had no budget and we still, you know, managed to completely disregard the academy. 
which could have been pumping out good players by now. It's been six years, seven years, 2015. It's been seven years. We could have had a fully functioning academy by now. Yeah. That had been pumping out first team players for about three years at this point. And the hope is they're working on it. So, uh, in terms of players, because um, that's another the other side of this criticisms question, uh, I think we just need better quality in the final third. Um, would you guys have any other criticisms for the players other than that? Yeah, it, I think it's just kind of yeah, uh, we, I was we need. Say Chase should take this one. <laughs> Chase, yeah. anything? I'm, the biggest criticism is just like. And, and part of it also falls on Oscar as well because they're being isolated. But I think that, yeah, it's just quality in the final third. And I think some of that falls on Benji. Some of that falls on Faku as well. Um, and there's been moments when we're creating quite well and we're like slipping in behind and we're moving very well. Um, but it's just developing that level of consistency with that. And, and I, I think that that comes might change a little bit like with Jake Mulraney like as much as I said I don't necessarily think he's the best player I think that there's going to be some improvement there but it's just quality in the final third and I think maybe just a general level of like intensity I think that there are sometimes we come out for games and we don't necessarily look up for it I think that's fair and I think that's been a a theme at times across Pareja's reign where we just show up or we don't show up for games and we're we're not fully bought in or not bought in, but we're not like fully focused. That's the word I'm thinking of. Um, just like games thrown away sometimes. Uh, Jimmy D at Jimmy underscore SLC. Are we still in the they just need to build chemistry phase? For me, no. And that that's for Jimmy. Um, for me, no. Uh, they are professionals and have reached the fourth season mark really the the third season mark we're 11 games in there's 34 games in the season there should be some level of competence consistency passing and scoring a bit ability but that's just my opinion what do you guys think adam i haven't hit the panic button yet but i have hit the i'm a little worried button chase that's fair (laughs) your concerns are fair yeah i mean i think that just We've seen a lot of rotation, especially amongst... I think, like, when we're talking about chemistry, it's mainly between, like, the front three. Like, Arujo has been all right, and I don't necessarily think anyone is saying that he's been poorly embedded into the squad. I think this question mainly relies on Kara, Faku, and Pato. Um, And I think that you would hope that they were a little bit closer together, but I also think it makes a little bit of sense that they're not because they've been so heavily rotated. Um. And, you know, just we've been able to put together some decent results while not playing at our, um, you know, while not firing on all cylinders, I guess. And it's kind of questionable now. Like I would say, like Adam said, it's a little bit concerning that we're not there yet. But you can definitely foresee like these players coming together a little bit more and performing even better. And, And that's kind of a positive, but it's all about just getting there right now and that is falling a little bit, I would say, in the coaching staff right now. Um, but yeah, I'm not necessarily panicked either. Yeah, not panicked, but definitely agree. I think we are a little bit past the, oh, they just need to build chemistry and they'll be fine phase. I, I do look at the coaching staff and say, 
it's time to make some changes. Um, little small changes don't have to be huge sweeping changes, but some some changes are necessary. Not just oh, our attackers need to build chemistry. Uh, and, champ, go ahead. To be clear, by changes you don't mean necessarily. Oh, we need to change who starts. Or no. Even, or yeah. even which positions people are playing. Just little tactical. You need to move here differently. Different, yeah, like role changes, um, yeah. starting position changes in terms of like, do they start out on the touchline? Do they start Direction. in the fourth lane? Do they start near the middle? That sort of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, not, There's, yeah, correct. Those changes can have such a huge impact that I think people don't appreciate. Sometimes smaller changes because smaller changes, maybe the opponent doesn't notice that much, which can make a huge difference in taking them by surprise. I've heard a thing where in the Premier League, you're usually given around six games after making a switch to your either formation or um, your your tactical setup before teams will catch on to it. And then they'll game, be able to game plan for it consistently and you'll start to struggle. Um, so that's why you're always seeing those changes in the Premier League. Um, I feel like in MLS, it's probably similar around that six yeah, to eight a, game range. A perfect example of that was um, Spurs for a little bit. They looked like the hottest team in the league uh, until basically the last month when they when they started to get figured out and they've just now started looking better again. Because they probably switched something. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Champ Lou at Champ Lou who can't believe I just said that. <laughs> if you were if you were to make a formation change, what would you switch us to? Why and what players at what spots? Chase, I'll start with you. Would you make a formation change? What players where? I think the two options would be either like a four four two outright, um, and then you can kind of change how you want to play that. Whether you want to play with some like out and out wingers. Or if you want to have like Mauricio out there on the right as someone who is a bit more proactive in the buildup um, rather than looking to like beat a man, he's trying to pick out a pass. Um, and, you know, he can kind of work with who on as well. I don't, that's something that I could foresee working to an extent. And I also think the other one that we could like highlight a little bit is like the three back, which the like I I've kind of been thinking about this like a little bit. Like I almost think with the three center backs we have at our disposal, it could actually work quite well, but it also is a bit of a risk to play your only healthy three center backs consistently. Um, you know, because I think that while Janssen, I, I think Schlegel and Thomas Williams are both center backs who need to have a Robin Janssen or an Antonio Carlos next to them to provide a little bit of cover or protection because our fullbacks aren't necessarily going to do that unless we play like a Kyle Smith or someone who's a little bit more solid there. Um, but I think that Zhao, who has been pretty good this season, even defensively, which kind of has been a bit of a liability for him, he still is somebody who is, like, his best attributes are, like, you know, contributing in build-up play, inverting himself a little bit, and and trying to advance the ball and whipping across and stuff like that. And, and I think that Huan who has been like kind of a defensive liability this season and even like an attacking liability. If we take his defensive um, uh, responsibilities, I guess, away, it can kind of free him up a little bit more to try to find form. And I also think that Benji would work best centrally. Um, but I think that all of this is more something to have in your back pocket rather than something to, while there needs to be tweaks 
like we've said, I don't think it's time to pull the plug and com- completely reinvent our system. I don't know if you guys might disagree with that, but I, I think that these are more just something to have in terms of like that tactical versatility that we're talking about to kind of change to later in games. Or even like if I think maybe like a three back could have worked against Montreal um, here, at least kind of like it would have helped us adapt to their system a bit more. Um, and it would just be something to be able to switch to rather than having to stick to a system that might not work in some scenarios, but we just kind of have no other choice. Um, so I think it would either be, you know, like this flat four four two with someone like Urso or Pereira on the right, um, or, you know, we can go out and out wide players or like a three, five, two, allowing our fullbacks to try to use their attacking output and getting the best out of Benji Michelle or Erkin Kara even to have someone next to him. Uh, I'm very much of the let's keep the formation the same and make the changes within the formation. Um, we've I've already discussed that at length, and you guys are probably tired of hearing it. Adam, any formation change for you um, no. and what players at what spots? Practically, I agree with you, Gavin. Impractically, I would kind of love to see a diamond. I was thinking that, but then, like, we literally just got Mulraney, and yeah. that, but, that okay. signals with, like the with the, the strongest version. with the strongest eleven because I think our weak spot is winger, um, because <laughs> Faku has looked his brightest inverting. Pato isn't a true winger, you know that we're not playing, and Benji certainly is a a. Um, an adapted winger, I'll say to be kind to him. Um, yeah, if we if we want to not have that many wingers on the roster, play a system that doesn't use wingers. And and the width comes from the fullbacks, and we have two good wide fullbacks. This is also assuming Juan returns to form a little bit in my fantasy land, in which we play a good diamond. Um, but you got your true nine, Erchankara. You got your false nine. Alexander Pato, you got your 10 Faku Torres, who I think would flourish in that 10 role. If you put Faku in Jim Curtin's uh diamond as as that tip, I think he would be incredible. Oh. Yeah, Gosdog's doing well there. Yeah. Um, so you got Faku at your tip, you got Mauricio and Urso as your eights, who both of them would excel in those roles, and then Araujo or Mendez at the six, and then you know, you play your standard back line and and you can choose when you want Moutinho and Juan to be fullbacks or wingbacks. Because you can drop your six and then have them play wingback, or you could keep the back four and play traditional fullback and have that six push up and play deep line playmaker. So I, th- I think that the diamond is a system that fits our personnel pretty well right now and also provides tactical versatility within itself that you don't even need to change your personnel or your system that much to really change your point of attack throughout the game. It gives you three options for the point of attack. Did you say you would have Faku at the 10 and Pereira at the right 8, or would you have Faku yes. at the right 8 no, and Pereira at the 10? No, Faku 10. The interesting thing with that is, is looking at Philadelphia's diamond, they have like Leon Flock on the left side. He tends to pull out to the left wing position at times and then they go long to him and then he he kind of facilitates play and like i guess we could do that with Pereira, but i wonder if Mm -hmm. faku right eight because it's not really a traditional right center mid role 
in, no. in that formation. They definitely I go love, wide and go I in. I love Urso at the eight also. That's a good point. Because yeah. he's such a good link play player. Link player, I guess you could just say. He's such a good link player that you could you could use him to facilitate Moutinho or I, I guess Mauricio would probably be left side eight. So you could use him to facilitate Juan getting up higher on the pitch. If you, if you're dropping out of um, to cover him, um, you could have him make late runs into the box. Um, you know, you could, you could even have him push up higher and have Mauricio drop underneath and more centrally and have him play a more traditional 10 and push Faku up into a, like a roaming kind of probing role where he could be making runs. That's what I'm saying. I think the diamond, if we were to go back to training camp and in, install this package, you know, properly, it could be really dangerous with the set of personnel we have. Yeah, you've sold me on that. I, I like that idea on paper, definitely. Uh, two more to finish out here, as this has been a long one. Talking about a big defeat, obviously, we tend to go long on these. Uh, Lee Douglas at L Douglas 0107. Since I don't want to rel- relive that game, I will ask something off topic. How much Jameson have you had since Nashville? Um, so I shared a drink with Lee in Nashville uh, before the match. I'm pretty sure, and it was Jameson, and I have had two Jameson whiskeys since the trip to Nashville. Um, one around the holidays and one a couple weeks ago. Um, so thanks, Lee, for that one. NJ Tommy here at the death 15 minutes ago. Is this team truly ready to challenge for silverware like the staff has have said is the goal? Just a just a yes no chase are we ready for silverware i think or that we should challenge sorry should be with the squad that we have but i think the way that we are playing and the level of consistency that we are playing with i am not as high on that thought as i would have been a month ago so i would say no right now unfortunately adam well, I sure hope so. Um, I'm ready for silverware. <laughs> My arm is ready for silverware. I'm going to say no at this very moment. Hopefully Philly is throwing us a bone tomorrow and, and playing a heavily rotated squad. I don't think that we can't be. Uh, the double negative there. Like, we all know there's talent in the squad. No one is denying that, it, and it has shown up in each of these talented players at times. We see flashes of what they can do. Right now, no. In uh, whatever playoffs are this year, who knows? Could be the hottest team in the league at that time. Uh, no one really knows. That's but the hard thing. Moment, no. That's the hard thing is is right now we're all feeling down. New York Red Bulls 3-0, Montreal 4-1. We all feel like junk. Um, it's a long season. They say it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I think this team definitely really believes in that, the marathon, not a sprint thing. And we do tend to, like we've said, lose a couple of matches in the regular season that we would have liked to win more. It just sucks along the way, really, is the best way I can put it. Here's what I'll say. I think that Oscar Breha's biggest accomplishment ever is that Supporter Shield in Dallas 
because I have no idea how he pulled that off. <laughs> how <laughs> That's the hell a good did, point. He, did one of his teams win the shield? Must have been a really bad that, competition here. Yeah, I, I think they embody the the um, marathon, not a sprint, and just. I think we are ready to challenge. It depends on a lot of things going right, and I think the Open Cup is the best avenue. So I think we definitely need to be taking that seriously. All right, this has been a long one. Uh, Chase, Adam, thank you so much for joining. Chase, where can our lovely listeners find you at? The lovely listeners can find me at VamosOCSC on Twitter. So good to hear that. And Adam, where can our lovely listeners find you at tomorrow? Tomorrow or uh, when you'll in eight minutes, it will be today. It is currently 11.52 p.m. You did not have to expose us like that. (laughs) Uh, When you were, I mean, it's going to come out at 3 a.m., right? No. Um, when you were listening to this on the morning of the match against Philadelphia and you are planning to go to that match and support our boys in the Open Cup, you can get a drink at Broken Strings Brewery and visit me in the Cappy's food truck. I think we'll be there around 4, 4.30 is when we generally start pregame for like 7 p.m. matches. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Come check us out. I'll be there. Um Thank you guys so much. You can obviously follow us at Lions Blog One if you're a first time listener. Um, definitely go check out the OC Fan TV instant reaction. You'll hear some of my instant reactions to the match as well. I was pretty frustrated and asking why why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Because I, I didn't understand. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. Thanks for always asking some great questions. And uh, we will see you probably on Wednesday or Thursday after the Philly match. Um, I'm sure I'll be wrangling these guys in to get some discussion on that match as well. So again, thank you so much. You and, will see <laughs> <laughs> and vamos Orlando. Vamos.